The roar of the Auric race at war is loud enough to shake the mortal realms to their foundations. These hulking, green-skinned warriors live to fight. To them, war is the entire reason for their existence. They will punch, smash, gouge, slash, and headbutt everything that stands before them until only the mightiest warriors are left standing, and they love every moment of it. With every act of violence they commit, the Oryx worship the great god Gorkamorka, the two-headed god of destruction. It was he who slaughtered the mightiest monsters of the realms in the Age of Myth, and it's he who invigorates the Auric hordes with strength and manic energy through the raw, primal power of the war. When the Aurochs gather in great number, they raise their voices together in a ground-shaking bellow of battle-lust. The pulsing green magic of Gorkamorka turns them from an argumentative rabble into a crashing tide of muscle and armor that sweeps all before it. Stomping forward at the head of the green-skinned hordes come the Iron Jaws, hulking armored oryks that are brutality-made flesh. Howling and bellowing alongside them come the Bone Splitters, frenzied oryks who have warlike energy thrumming through their addled brains. Stamping and shouting as their shamans bring the wrath of the green-skinned god upon the foe, the oryks are constantly on the warpath. They know nothing of fear and never tire in their endless quest for carnage. In the face of such reckless aggression, no civilization can stand for long. It is all but certain that one day the realms will belong to the orcs. That actually makes them sound tough, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <clears throat> makes them sound crazy. Makes you want to play them. Ugh, you say that about all of them. They're so good at writing the lore. I know they are. They're pretty okay, um, but I think the other thing, like we have previously talked about this, where it's like for the longest time, Oryx were like the comic relief. Um, that kind of gone. Oh yeah, no, it it is like hard gone, with the exception of like the faces on the Gorgruntas. But um, no, these are not the clowny Oryx of age gone by even the bone splitters they definitely toughened them up from what they used to be so no it almost sounds like they could actually win (laughs) if it wasn't for the billions of skaven but i have a feeling they would just glory in reveling and chopping them all down yes into tiny little rat bits little rat bits and speaking of little rat bits i'm david whitek and this is episode two 26 of Garage Hammer. Auric War Clans lore. I'm Alex Gonzalez, too. I mean... Well, I was waiting for you to do your little intro-y thing. You totally just didn't do it. I didn't know what the hell was happening here. I'm like, what's going on with our show? I was going for the cunning plan. You clearly just went for the brutal. <laughs> I was going for brutal. Me, David. Here, show. Yes. Uh, speaking of the show, the show has sponsors. Did you know that? I th- I'm certain you did. I I do. Um, and we do have sponsors, and we should take a moment to thank them, which include Chaos Oryx Superstore. Chaos Oryx Superstore! Chaos Oryx Superstore. Chaos Oryx Superstore. Yeah. <laughs> and Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basing and movement tray needs. Oh, and hey, guess what, Alex? What? We got a new sponsor. Do we? We did because 
seems like when one friendly local gaming store is gone, there's always another behind them, a new, exciting, and wonderful friendly local gaming store who wants to be a part of the Garage Hammer family. Yeah. And do you know what that store is? I do believe it is Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois. It is Grognard Games, the one and only Grognard Games, entering their fourth year. I believe it's their fourth year. I think, yeah, I think they've done three years. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were talking with uh, with Todd, the owner, and um, he thinks it would be great to to team up with Garage Hammer. So not only do we have a sponsor, but it means we have a official Garage Hammer local game store again. Um, I know you've been there a bunch of times. I'm going to actually be over there next Friday when I go to pick up Harrison because uh, he's coming home from school and the bus brings him to Woodfield. So we're going to head over there. I'm I'm actually mm-hmm. really excited. The place is pretty big. And, yeah. Um, oh, we can do one-day events there and all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, and they've got basically everything GW and other stuff too. So, Yeah, and Todd is... He's been involved with the community for years. He had another game store a number of years ago, Iron Tower. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so he's been in the business. He's been in the community for a long time. Um, then him having Grognards. Uh, I mean, it's a great store. It's probably one of my favorites of all the gaming stores I've been to. Um, because, one, they take exceptionally good care of it. It is very well maintained. Um, and they have tons of tables, tons of terrain. And it's table space for multiple tables. Plus, there's still space for board games and other things in the back. Um, they run events there all the time. They have a great product selection. and Yeah, they're on they, Facebook. And you, uh, If you follow their Facebook page, it's like every, I mean, at least once a week, every two weeks. I'm, I'm getting, oh, this is coming up. This is coming up. This is happening. That's happening. There's always something happening at Grognards. Oh, pretty much. Oh, my God. That might... Oh, I think I've already got an idea for a commercial. There we go. Cause we I'm don't... sorry, Todd. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, hey, we don't even have... I mean, they're that new. We don't have a commercial for them yet. So we're kind of doing their commercial here now, like just promoting them, talking them up. I'm waiting for all the info from Todd to make sure that they get the official... <laughs> There's always something happening at Crognards. Oh, my God. That's so bad. That's wonderful. I'm so sorry, Todd. Uh. Anyway. So, but yeah, no, that's fun and exciting news. Um, But we also have our wonderful community of Patreon sponsors, don't we? Yes. We Hold on. I'm writing this down. There's always something happening. At- God, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash Garage Hammer. You can go there. You can see our silly page. And if you so decide, you can become a Garage Hammer patron. Uh, to all of you who are patrons, thank you so much for being part of that 1% who makes this show and all the wonderful things that happen on it possible. Uh, I would especially like to thank our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and AJC. AJC. Oh, look at that. And guess what? We got some new patrons. We do. We do. We got Opie and John Rogowski. 
And I want to thank them for jumping in and deciding, hey, I want to help sponsor Garage Hammer. It's It's been up and down the last few months with the Patreon page. I'm always watching and seeing what's going on. It's nice to see new guys jumping in and, and, and deciding that this show is is worth their time. I'm, I'm very excited to welcome them to the Garage Hammer sponsor family. Um, what else? Oh, you know we got voicemail. No, we don't. We have voice. We actually have one, but this is gonna. We got. It, we don't do the voicemails during the the book reviews because it's long. So, um, I do have one saved up for later. Um, actually, it's a really nice one, and it's it's it, it's addressing something in the last episode. Uh, and I, and it's really it's 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 something. It's it's quite a kind voicemail directed towards you, my friend. So. Um, not that that's a weird thing. I'm just saying it was. Really- you just made it a weird thing. <laughs> I can't help it. It's what I do. We noticed. I know. Uh, but if you want to leave a voicemail to be heard on non-book coverage episodes, you can dial one seven five seven GH show six. That's one seven five seven GH show six. Most international callers dial zero zero, and then one seven five seven GH show six. Call and leave us a voicemail now, and you too can be on the air at some point talking to us from the voicemail. It's fantastic. You'll love it. All right. Um, do we want to take a quick break and then come back and start talking the lore of the Oryx? I suppose we can. Um, there is one thing I would like to say um, before we get into the actual book review. And this is something I was hoping we could talk about in a toolbox, but I'm just going to say it. If you haven't seen the Joker movie... Oh, I have not yet. I wanted to go Sunday, and then uh, this weekend's been a nightmare. So go ahead. I have not left a movie theater that, like, emotionally charged since Lord of the Rings. Really? Yeah. You didn't feel triggered or upset or frightened for your life or any of that stuff? No. No. Excellent. Yeah, my, my, I was supposed to go with Morgan, uh, except I wound up um, I wound up having I had to take the van to Victory Auto Wreckers. <laughs> They're still around? Yes, and if you bring your car in and don't have them pay you cash on the spot and tow it away, you don't have to pay the $75 towing fee. Oh. But, I did uh, not know that. Yes. Um, no, I... If Joaquin does not win an Oscar for this role, mm-hmm. I'm going to cry. Really? Yeah. That's, uh, I See, Morgan said it was she, – she went without me. Um, she went with her friend instead because we had already bought tickets and then I had to cancel. So she took her friend with her. She said that he was really incredible. And she said it was it was weird. She's like, it wasn't the greatest movie I ever saw. She goes, but it was filmed so beautifully and it was kind of moving. And Joaquin Phoenix was really – just quite impressive it's not a dc universe movie i mean it's based loosely on the character of the of joker uh-huh but um i i seriously could not look away for the entire two hours of this show and it, yeah, morgan's bugging me to go see it as soon as possible so she, so she can talk to me about it yeah it is just dark as all get out so just check your expectations, but it is – it's that good. 
Well, interesting. Then I definitely want to see it because I know people were worried it was promoting, you know, mental illness and, you know, all that. You, you've seen all the hubbub on on the social media. And yeah, but you as, being sensitive to that sort of thing, if you didn't, if you didn't find it upsetting, then I, I'm assuming that it didn't glorify any of that nonsense. No, it it spoke to a point, and it made it. And at the end of the day, if you're that concerned about it, then you need to do something to take care of the people that need the help, because that is really what it's about. Hmm. And it's also just following one man's descent into madness. Interesting. Yeah. No, it's absolutely stellar. And if you don't go see it, if you're like, oh, I don't want to go see a Batman movie. It's it's not a Batman movie. It is most certainly not a Batman movie. Well, I'm definitely going to go see it. I'm just excited you're so passionate about a film. It's been a long time. No kidding. Um, yeah, this is... I, I just... There was no words for how amazing that movie was. Wowie zowie. It's not... It's art is what it is. It is like legit, true art in film. Cool. And see, now you're making me want to go even more. So get on it. I got stuff to do. I really want to go see it. It's just annoying how much, how little time I have to go see this movie over the next like week and a half. Whatever. Hey, man, I can't help it. I'm busy. Harrison's coming home this weekend, too. So, you know, take the boy. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's going to spend half the time going to visit with his school friends. And then Saturday night, he's going to we got uh, game night scheduled with me and him and Christopher and maybe a couple other guys. So let's get on this, shall we? Uh, you know what? Wait, let's. Yeah, let's that's well, not like we're not going to have plenty of them, but let's take a break here mm-hmm. just so we can jump into war clans. Um, cuz you know, most of the stuff is stuff we went over when we did the Iron Jaws review forever ago and a lot of it's what we did when we did the Bone, Bone Splitters review. review ever ago. So, but it was a while and not everyone was listening to that, so we'll still cover the stuff. Um, but there are a few points that they make that I really enjoy here. Um, and there are a few questions I have. They really did. I mean, they reinvented a lot of the orcs on the last two books, but now that they've sort of pushed it all together and even I think the dis- where, where I find this one interesting, because I know you said you were having trouble because it was basically the last two books we did just a little shorter on each one. But some of the mentions of the interactions between them now, now that you can mingle them, you know, mm-hmm. more easily, I find that to be pretty interesting too, so... Um, we'll be back with this, and then we will uh, we will jump into all the coolness that is the Greenskins right after this. Bone Splitters believe that each of the mortal realms has its own soul, much like those of the great beast that they hunt. If one of these essences is ever found, it can be captured and caged within a bone of suitable size and grandeur. There are tales of the fiery heart of Akshi and the chilling ribs of Shyish, the sneaky shadow serpent of Ulgu, and the glaring eye of Hish. Yet as far as the bone splitters are concerned, the greatest of all the world spirits is that of Gur, the realm of beasts. 
The Wurgog prophets claim that Gorka Morka created Gur, and when he did, it took a measure of his power as its soul. They say that this world spirit resides somewhere in Gur as a land or perhaps a creature of concentrated war energy. Some Wurgog prophets say that Ravenak, the mouth that lurks beneath the world, is the spirit of Gur, and thus many war clans chase his gnashing jaws, manifestations of his boundless hunger, across the land. Others say that this spirit takes the form of a star-scraping mountain of amber, or even the angry skies far above their heads. No two prophets can agree on the exact nature, nor what might happen should they ever find this place beast. But most of them believe that Gorkamorka himself is hunting the same prize. The great green god is worshipped by all bone splitters, but many war clans also incorporate the world spirit of their home realm into their strange rituals, seeing them as totemic, elemental beings of great power. Each war clan has a unique interpretation of these mystical entities. The Crack Skulls of Akshi, for instance, pay homage to Rakadnak, a great lava trilopy believed to have once fought Gorkamorka across the realm of fire, while the ocean-dwelling flint jaws daubed themselves with images of the twin-headed shark spirit they call Squidmuncha. The Splinterfoot clan of the Jade Kingdoms worship Big Leaf, an enormous tree beast infused with the raging essence of Gorkamorka, and they travel vast distances through wildwoods in pursuit of this mystical being. These far-flung clans all seek the world spirit of their home realm unceasingly, driven by maddening visions and strange omens that only they can see. If they were to catch up to the spirit, they would of course attempt to club it to death and crack open its bones. The war magic can be found within such a creature would be boundless. With the magic of just one world spirit, the bone splitters could surely cause all eight of the mortal realms to tremble beneath their stomping feet. And we is back talking Oryx. Oryx. It's a thing. Yep. They are green things. No, it's like you said. <laughs> now, like you said, they are no longer the clown princes of the Warhammer world. That whole soccer hooligan thing, outside of the way they talk, that is kind of Long gone. gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's really obvious now with this stuff. There's some interesting parts here. Um so, I guess let's kind of start from the beginning. You know, um, did we want to talk cover? We always talk about the cover. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 your typical... I'm not certain what they're walking on that's got a lot of spikes with skulls coming out of them. But other than that, it's literally a combination of the two covers. Yeah. You've got, you know, one of the big Iron Jaws guys. You've got a prophet. Um, you've got... Like, it's a great picture. It's just, they're very conflictual styles of themes. He's like, you have the bones, the wood, the war paint with the bone splitters, and you get the heavy iron with the jaws. And it's just a very weird interaction looking between the two of them. It is. And it's somehow it works, kind of just showing you, like, the different you know, ways they can go, but yeah, that's, they're very different. I mean, for, for both being orcs, it's, you're not wrong about the, the weird conflict no. of styles, 
but that comes up in their play styles and in their attitudes towards each other and everything else. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the Oryx in general, now, if you haven't heard any of our old episodes on this and you're just, you know, just like, oh, I know Oryx, I saw Lord of the Rings, um, you know, Oryx, they, they thrive on conflict and this I know, I know this came up in the Iron Jaws book, and, and in, a lot of this came up in the last two books, but I'm not even thinking about them so much as what the old orcs used to be. Like you said, they're not those guys anymore. Yeah. Um, this idea that they grow bigger the more they fight, like it just, like they kind of hulk out slowly but surely. I mean, there's actually a part mm-hmm. here that says if you watch closely, sometimes when they hit things particularly hard, you can see these little incremental growths in them, like... You know, like if you stare at a clock hard enough, sometimes you can see the minute hand moving. Yeah. It's like that. You know, they grow bigger and stronger the more conflict they have. Um, the the whole culture is this uh, primal, like, meritocracy, and all the orcs get it. Like, they just know if someone's bigger and stronger than you, then they are in charge, and you are not. Um, the The violence that is typical of an orc invasion uh it you know the bellowing the screaming the crash the thundering um this and this can even and the, the more violent it, you know if if that if they make enough noise and they and they cause enough damage over enough places it starts to attract more orcs to that so they can so they can join in on the fun mm-hmm. um and it it, it 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 this is how giant wars start uh, it it triggers an avalanche. Yeah, it's it's not like corn in a way because corn is war for war's sake. Like there has to be, I would dare say, a purpose with corn to go to war. Um, it's all about the bloodshed and everything like that. For the oryx, that's just a bonus for them. The fight is what it's about. Uh-huh. It has nothing to do with blood, nothing to do with skulls. It's just the sheer unadulterated mayhem mm-hmm. that comes from war. That's what they love. That's what they feed off of. Yeah. Yeah. And it, there's a, there's an interesting part that comes up later in the book when they talk about how might makes right and their ultimate goals and stuff like that. And it's nothing like anybody else's. It's just so – I like it. Like yeah, now the might makes right thing that was something that we saw with ogres when yeah. they first came out um, back in sixth or seventh edition. Mm-hmm. So, but this is taking it to a completely different level because now it's the mightiest of the oryx. They're getting bigger. They're like you had mentioned the hulking out. So they are literally become bigger, the angrier. More, and it's not even the more fights they win. It's just the more fights they live through. Yeah. Any fight they have, it makes them a little bigger and a little stronger. So, like, when you get one of these guys who becomes sort of like a legendary orc who's killed all these people and all these people have gone up against him and dropped, the people who are coming up against that same orc leader or war boss later are fighting a bigger, stronger version. It's not like as they get older, they get weaker. They're the exact opposite. The longer they last, the bigger and tougher they get. 
It's pretty cool. There's this part here I like. Whole civilizations have been ended by a war that may have originated with an orc nicking another's lunch, misunderstanding a perfectly good insult, or seeing a strangely shaped cloud in the sky. Their entire lives. I'm reading this, and you know, you know, you know, you watch those old westerns, or you even watch movies now, like if you know some of these '70s comedies when you see the bar fight break out. Mm-hmm. Somebody hits somebody. Somebody he falls into someone else, and suddenly everybody's fighting, and nobody knows why. That's, this isn't Roadhouse, though. Well, no, Roadhouse. We knew why they were fighting because Patrick Swayze would be nice until it's not until I say it's time to not be nice. But like seriously, any Western, any of this, you, it, the the idea that oh they're fighting and I'm in the same room, so why not join a good scrap? That's like like the whole Auric way of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it cracked me up reading it. It's just like if they see a fight going, they're like, yeah, let's join in. What are they fighting about? Who cares? Because, like you said, it's all about the fight. Um, yes. It's fantastic. Now, we do get into an interesting part where, um, and I love they, they talk, this is from the scholars of Hish, when they start to talk about ogre physiognomy. Orc. Orc. orc sorry, orc physiognomy. Um. Uh, they're they're still doing that plant sort of thing, except they got a little bit better detail on it here, and I think it's pretty neat. Yeah, I'm really glad that they added this to really like dare say flesh it out mm-hmm. uh, and really understand there. the process. Because like with the gloom spite, when we did that review, they didn't really talk about where they came from, like per se. They just kind of there's just more of them, right? But this is actually like what it's about and this is you just go go ahead and read this okay so it, uh like i said this, the scholars of hish who have been you know examining them if you leave a slain orc corpse left to rot in the right conditions it will deliquesce into a fungal jelly that jelly puts down thin whitish strands into the earth below that can harness nutrients and the inherent magical power of the realm itself so you get all of this um, you get all of this. It, it's like a plant. It's literally like a, like a fungus or something like that growing with those little white strands down into the dirt, like 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 you know your fifth grade science project. It sucks on the nutrients in there to feed, just like roots and the magic power of the realm. From this greenish flesh sack comes the young of the race, glistening and pallid, gnawing their way free from the meaty jelly of their progenitor, and they join their first war clan they find as youths. Um, and there's evidence the magic of the war accelerates this process. Should a battlefield of fallen oryx be left in the shadow long enough, it may become something akin to a birthing ground that spawns a new generation of psychotic green horrors. Um, that's, that's just fantastic. They really do. Just the dead bodies just sort of... It's like when a plant dies and the little seeds are left there and the seeds sprout. Yeah, so I guess the real question is, is this a one-for-one? For For every one that dies, another one gets up? It seems like it. Because it says where it talks about they come from the meaty jelly of their progenitor. Um, I just wonder if, like, you make more than one. But if this doesn't happen for all of them, then how are there still so many Exactly, exactly, yeah. It's a little vague here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, also, because this this brought up something that came up later is, um, like I thought all orcs were just orcs, and if you got big enough, you became a brute. But we'll talk about that later when we get to the brutes and the ard boys and stuff. Like, are there actually different? like breeds or races of orc among the orcs because there's we're not well like i said and this is all coming from the scholars they don't know they're not certain um but like yeah you said if it had to if it's just one for one they couldn't possibly maintain right because it's not one for one every time one of them goes down it's if a, if the corpse is, is it, left to rot in the right condition. Right. And, and then that begs the question, if I chop off an auric arm in the middle of a battle, will that spawn into an orc? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, so uh, there's all sorts of questions because and this has come up in both 40K and uh, Age of Sigmar. You know, 40K, it's like if they're once they're on a planet, you've got you've to exterminatus the thing to get rid of them. Yeah, you got to pull it out root and stem. Yeah. So, I'm assuming that it's not just one for one. That if it's big enough, like, if there's enough meat there. Because especially if they come out as youths, they're not going to be the full size of an orc. And if you've got a, you know, a big brute body deliquescing, as it says, um, that has got to be enough there for more than one. There's got to be more. It's got to be more than one. It can't be one to one. That... that you can't. We can't keep it going. That then, but that's if that's the only way that they. Well, yeah, like I said, partial bits. You know, is that? I mean, but it, once again, we don't have all the information. We've just got what they got from these different places watching them. Um, and can you really trust an elf anyway? No. No, exactly. of course not. And don't even get me started on that. God, you should hear the Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I got roped into running. Why is Teclas in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign? We oh, might as well be. Heather, well, Heather decided she wanted to learn how to play Dungeons and Dragons. She's played Vampire, um, but she never played Dungeons and Dragons. So I got Christopher to. I'm like, I'll run it. But so it's like Christopher's helping with it, being in it because he's got experience. And it's like Heather and my daughters and one of my daughter's friends. So. <sighs> I got a dark elf, a wood elf, and two half elves. And Chris is like, well, I better play like a dwarf fighter because you need somebody who's not going to die in a hot minute. <clears throat> I'm going to have fun running that. Anyway, um, I like how it talks about how when you get a bunch of these orcs, they don't care what they fight either. No. They will They're just there for the fight. Order. Chaos, death, they will tear down a dreadhold or an undead fortress as quickly as they will go after one of the cities of a Lord Castellan. They don't care. They just want to cause destruction. And they give they give the reasons here. And I, these are the little bits that I love. Like I said, we don't have to spend a ton of time with every little bit, but it's these things that I just adore. One, they were they were meant to fight and win. That's it. Whoever, whomever, wherever, whenever, whatever reason, as long as someone gets a good kicking, they were meant to fight and they were meant to win. That's just, it's in, it's, it's literally in their DNA. It is in their, uh, they don't have to be taught this. They just, that's, it's in their blood. Number two, they hate weakness. And this part I really liked. This is the part that I don't know if this is in all the other books. 
But I find this interesting, and this is what really started to draw me because I was not interested in making an orc army. I mean, I know I'd said earlier I wanted to make either corn or orcs, just the all calves, so I could make a, a small model number army. Mm-hmm. But this made me think, oh, just orcs in general. They hate weakness, especially weaknesses that seek to manufacture its own strength in ways they don't understand. Black powder weapons, castle walls, Dwarden flying machines, that's all cheating. And they just want to tear down the false strength of other nations until no stone stands atop of another. Destroy the gimmicks, the crutches, props of civilization, all because they complicate the one basic truth of all reality, might makes right. So the more you try to build, literally the things you build to keep them from killing you is what makes them want to kill you more. Yeah, and this is not like how the beastmen operate, because the beast, it's tearing down civilization because they can't stand the concept of civilization. They want it to be that primal sort of world. Right. But this is, you need to prove that you are stronger, and if you have to do these things, then you're cheating. That's really the difference. It's subtle, but it's still different. It's one of those things where, you know, they believe in if whoever can punch you in the face hardest wins. They'll play Rochambeau, but the minute you pull out a knife or a gun in the middle of a fist fight, you're cheating. And then they and, you know, or if you've got to put on something, you know, like I said, I'm going to hide behind walls and and throw rocks at you from above. That's cheating. Uh, You know, it's it's. I love this concept. I just I really do. It's. You know, and the thing is, what after an orc attack, I would totally start building up my defenses to hold them off again. But the minute they see those defenses, they're like, "Uh oh, we got to go tear that down." So literally, the things that we're the things that we're doing to defend from them just running in and bashing heads is what makes them want to bash our heads in even more. It creates this wonderful vicious cycle because when they come and tear it down, you just try to build it up tougher and stronger for next time which just means they're going to bring more boys because they got to tear it down and make sure it stays down because they did that a lot with the dreadhold that was watching the manticore realm gate because <laughs> <laughs> oh, that here. was the yeah that was the dreadhold that archeon um took in the realm of metal no 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 it was in the realm of beasts beasts um it's in like this canyon type thing and there's this massive statue of archeon looming above it and of course, the orcs see that and it's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. So they go in there, they raise it, they tear, they tear the. St- they think they cut the head off the first time, and then because there's nothing left to do, they leave, and then chaos goes back in, Hold rebuilds on, I know, it. I know where this is. Keep talking. Keep talking. So the orcs are like, no, you can't have that. So they go sack it again, and I believe they put a grot head. On Archeon's head, where it's supposed to be, like they sculpt a grot head, essentially out of parts, and then yeah. there's another one. Here it there. is. The first time his helmet, Ever Chosen's helmet, was carved into the grinning face of Gork. So he left Archeon's body, but turned him into Gork. So he sends a, a legion to reclaim it and guard its repair. Mistake. Second time they take it off and re- replace it with a wooden grot head. Uh. And so that's when he expands the dread. See, here you go. He expands Manticore Dreadhold. Build up the Dreadhold bigger to keep them from doing this. 
that that's a mistake. Yeah, because then it just feeds them. The third time they brought down the walls, raised a crude idol to Gork. Over, they just tore the whole damn statue down this time and put up an idol of Gork. Uh, and then, of course, the person in charge is now dead because Archaon's mm-hmm. like, you failed too many times. And this guy is nervous as a long-tailed cat in a rocking chair factory. He is just sitting out there watching going, oh, they're going to come back again, and they're going to come back. with Like, Archaon's dude is terrified that they're going to come back and tear it all down, and his head is going to wind up on the next pike outside the new Dreadhold. Yeah. It's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> they turn him into Gork, and then he gets pissed, so they turn him into a grot. Yeah, but then it also speaks to Archeon's character, because this needs to go back to Archeon. It's showing a weakness, which is like pride and vanity. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. it's it's uh, While it is a weakness, I mean... How exploitable is that? It's not like anyone's going to use that to beat him. He's scary. He should be proud. Yeah, you know he's got he's got he's got a he's got a reason to be as uh, as cocky as he is. He's pretty darn scary. All right, so we jump into uh, to talking about the uh, the Iron Jaws here. We get through sort of the. We got through the Auric race, and this this is a, I love this picture here with them all fighting against this the lizard men or this, this you know the Seraphon Seraphon right. Oh, the Aurochs just look so cool. They look so honestly, they are so much cooler in the book than they than they wind up playing on the table. I you know, there's I think the biggest thing between the book and the actual tabletop is the experience you have as a player because you believe like you want to win the game, but you don't always have like the quote unquote tools to do it. Right. So, but for these guys, you're winning just by fighting, even if you lose. So you kind of have to switch the mindset. That's true because anyone who lives is just going to get bigger. In fact, they literally say there's, in fact, it comes up. I think it's in here somewhere, but it's one of those things where it's like, Throw a bunch of orcs at it. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, throw more orcs at more orcs at it. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. Uh, 100 orcs didn't take it down. Throw 120 at them. That didn't work. Throw 150 at them. Eventually, we'll have enough where we tear it down. It's 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 so simple and wonderful, and it's just it's it's almost refreshing how it's it's just such a simple mindset. It's just. If it's standing, tear it down. If they put it back up, tear it down again. If we don't tear it down this time, go get more guys. It's just perfect. Well, especially since we're coming off of the Skaven review, where that is just like webs within webs, this is substantially more straightforward. Uh, speaking of just a, a review that's that's oh, a review that's got so much stuff, the Cities of Sigmar review. That's going to be. That's going to that be one will hurt. Yeah, that yes. Good lore, so many different war scrolls. Oh, it's going to be so long. That book is so big. All right, let's talk Iron Jaws. Um, they are the brutal rather than the cunning. 
Um, but they still know they're still, but they're still clever. They can lay traps, hide their numbers, uh, bully lesser greenskins into being cannon fodder. And this is where it says, yeah, they fight, and even if they lose, they put on more muscle mass and have a fiercer temperament than one who's just like on the march. Fighting, fighting is good. It's like working out. You know, you keep lifting, you'll get you'll get stronger, you'll get bigger. That's what they do. Except they don't lift weights; they just swing axes. Well, some of those things are pretty heavy, though. That's true. Uh, they don't have any smithies. They don't have people who make armor. They just take metal and hold it up to their their bodies and keep punching it until it shapes fits them properly um, which is which is essentially a fight with the metal so even if it takes a few hours or a few days they get something out of it other than just having armor and you would think that they're actively like punching and hitting something that actually makes them a little bigger too right exactly which that means you have to punch and hit the armor more to get it to fit your new shape depending on how fast you're growing yep they also keep all the edges they don't like they don't smooth out or clean up the edges. They keep it nice and sharp and spiky because the occasional self-injury is worth it since you keep that stuff spiky, an elbow in the throat or a knee in the stomach can uh, can work as good as an axe if you got sharp metal bits at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes for the Gorgruntas, too. Gorgruntas uh, are, uh, even though they already weigh half a ton, and hammering the armor into them is wildly dangerous because it's not like they sit still for it. Uh, adding sharp metal plates to the wildly, already wildly dangerous animal, um, it, it works. It works really well. Um, but the most dangerous to armor and just most dangerous in general is... The Maw Crusher. That is the most dangerous thing in the Iron Jaws arsenal. Uh, They are stronger and heavier than Star Drakes, and they love to kill anything that gets near them. They are the surliest, meanest-tempered, giant lizard-type things in the game. Um, They're... They just... That's all they do. They just attack everything that gets near them. And... uh, you know, just because there's an orc who manages to get on one and ride one and stay on it doesn't mean that that thing has been tamed or domesticated. They're just the orc is tougher than the maw crusher at that point. Yeah, or they just keep placating it with fights. Yeah, keep bringing it to the fights. I mean, that's what you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we move on to the bestial realms? Look at this. We're plowing. Th- we're we're chugging along here. Yeah. Let's cover the beast realms, and then before we go into, um, oh, this is all. Yeah, there's a bunch of more Iron Jaws before we get to blown, Bone Splitters. You know what? Let's keep chugging along. We've only been going a half hour. Let's do this. We've got we got two episodes anyway, and we've only got a couple of, well, we don't have, we've got two commercials to put in, so we got plenty of time. Um, so they come from Gur, right? And they kind of popped out during the Age of Myth. Uh, if anyone is, uh, if they have a ruler, it's probably Gordrak, the Fist of Gork. Uh, he is their big number one. Even during the Age of Chaos, when everyone and everything was under the heel of Chaos, this is the Iron Jaws did really well during the Age of Chaos. 
if anything, it made them more dangerous because it's constant warfare. It's constant invasion. And for them, like we talked about like how the gloom spite, they reacted, they hid, they dug down deep and then they started growing their farms and doing all that stuff. But the iron jaws like, nope, this is happy days. Yeah. There's, there's something to have a good scrap with. And after they killed it, chaos just sent more. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. It was literally a never-ending fight for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Um, now, the beauty, the beautiful thing, the, the history of Gur is pretty interesting. It used to have no these noble empires ruled by hunter kings and beast lords. And they were, you know, it was still a, a, a very dangerous realm with crazy beasts around. But there were these these entire civilizations and empires built within it um but like i said once the age of myth is kind of in the midst of this stuff um once the oryx show up in gur doesn't matter whose banner is flying like we said if it's a dreadhold an undead place or a place for these these uh you know the forces of order um it it gets it, it gets dropped into the dirt Mm-hmm. They just destroy everything. They only respect strength. Um, <laughs> it's funny. We were talking Iron Jaws here. Oryx respect only strength. And other clans sometimes forget Iron Jaws are in charge. Most clans are quickly knocked into line, though some, like the Bone Splitters, need constant reminding. Well, the Bone Splitters are also... Completely crazy. Yeah, they're 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 loonies, and that's okay, but it's... Just, the Oryx, it's surprising the strength is what it is. I just like the Iron Just look, we're in charge. And every once in a while someone gets out of line. Bone splitters, we gotta remind them constantly that we're in charge. Which just kind of shows that maybe they're not a hundred percent in charge, or that you just it's either that or you just cannot there nobody can tame the the bone splitters. Yeah, that's more what it is. Yeah. Um but. What else do we got here? Uh, now, the violence, the brutality, it's not just in the fight for some of the war clans. Like the ch- the, we're going to get to them, the Chapas. Uh, they are the vandals. They want to break down the landscape as well. Um, so this is where we're talking about. the guys about. who tore down Archeon's place. Yes. <laughs> but the when we get to the Chapas... Um, they're a very different war clan than the rest of them, but we'll get to that. Yep. Now, speaking of war clans, um, now, all Oryx, but especially the Iron Jaws, they have a natural tendency to just follow the largest, loudest, most impressive ones. Uh, you, The more you act like Gorka Morka, the more likely they are to follow you. Uh, and they are the most likely to lead the most likely person to lead is the one whoever is the best in fighting and gives them the most chance to keep on winning. Uh, and the biggest one leads until you if you come across another war clan and they got a bigger leader who's bigger and tougher, you just get subsumed into their war clan because the biggest leads. And when you got two big leaders, the biggest one leads and the other one gets in line. It's just how it goes. Or they fight it out. So um, what else do we got here? Now, we've talked about this next part. It's like their military structure. Yeah, you um, want to run through this really quick? 
So we've talked about this briefly. Um, so each gathering of Iron Jaws in particular is a mob. And then five mobs come together to form a fist. Um, and it's usually five because that's usually the amount of fingers that you have on your hand because they can't count very well. So it's kind of like their upper limit. Although some say that Gordrak knows weird numbers. Yeah, like six. Like six. Maybe ten. Or ten. Ooh. So then it becomes five fists with all their bosses working together. They become a brawl. So again, you're still only counting to five. Um, but they are essentially like this walking cataclysm. They just keep yes. moving across, destroying anything that gets in the way. Um, and it doesn't matter if it flies, they will find a way to bring it down. It doesn't matter if you dig under the ground, they're going to go get you. If you yep. get in their way, you going down. Um, and they mentioned the Brutes of the Sky Basha war, war yes, clan. Yes, they did. These are flying iron jaws with the scrap hulks of Karajan ships. Where are these rules, please? Oh, I know. These little hints of things to come at some point. Maybe. <laughs> maybe they will, maybe they won't. But flying orcs and flying grots, just, the oh my gosh. I want that so bad. I want that yes. so bad. Uh, let's see what else do we got here. Oh, the Iron Suns. Now, here's where we get to the... Now, we've got the different war clans, and we know how they work. Uh, if they get to five, like you said, they can count to five, you know. Um, Gordrak can count to ten. <laughs> but you got three major... Yeah, they've got the three major ones that they mention here. Right. And then these are the ones that actually get the rules uh, for, like, a specialized war clan. Right, and so they, they get the mention. So we got the Iron Sons. Uh, they're the show-off. Dak Bad leads them. They come from Gur. They are one of the largest war clans in existence. Uh, and if anybody, here's the, if anyone poses a threat to Gordrak's rule, because right now, no, I mean, he's obviously the biggest and the toughest. He comes around, you join him. Uh, but the Iron Sons say if anybody has a chance to threaten him, it's Dak Bad. Uh, this is, I, I like his story. Was this story in the old book? It probably was. It was, but I think this is more fleshed out um, because, like, the Iron Sons, there was a thing where it's like where Gorjak wears kind of the same armor plating as they do, um, but he's a completely different war clan, so it looks like they work together. But this is the largest war, or one of the largest war clans that still work for Gorjak, but Dakbad is, like, right there because he's a bit more cunning than the rest of them. I love this story. So if you guys don't know the story of Dakbad, he's a guy who would pick his fights. He was a, a cunning orc. He picked his fights carefully. He waited when all the orcs attacked. He went around and attacked from the flank. So while everyone is doing the frontal attack and getting smashed by the big monsters, he could get in and get his hits in and kill the thing without getting killed himself. Um and because of this cunning, he is he survived more beast kills than most orcs of his type. So then the guy who was in charge before Dakbad got in charge, uh, Gutdruck Fourfist, 
He was the mega boss of the clan. He called him out. He realized he was doing all these things, and he was starting, I guess, to feel a little threatened by him. So he calls him out as a coward, figuring that they'd fight. He'd, he'd you know, give him a good kicking, and he'd get him back in line. This now, this just shows the cunning right there. He goes in front, calls him a coward after one of these big fights where he came in from the flank. Dakbad shrugs and says he's too busy eating right now to fight, but he'll take his challenge, which was to lead the next beast hunt. Yes, he says if yeah, if you think you're so clever, be in you know, prove you're not a coward, be in charge. So he gets up at the crack of dawn the next day and starts chasing down a maw crusher. Right, and he starts screaming. Oh, he's up. Let's go. Half of these other orcs aren't quite up yet, and when they see him rushing off on his own, the guys who challenged him are like, "We can't let him run off on his own and do this. He can't, we can't let him show us up." So they all come running up behind him. Right, he finds this maw crusher, and like he totally tricks uh, Gut Truck and his friends. They're chasing after him. He knows what a maw crusher does. When you get too close, the maw crusher does this screaming howl that will rupture your eardrums and and make you evacuate your bowels, right? So he takes this waxy substance from the inside of the skull of the thing he was eating. That's what he was doing. He was sitting there just eating, saying he's too busy eating. Meanwhile, he's pocketing all this wax stuff. He stuffed his ears. He plugged his ears. So as they all go rushing up, this thing screams. He avoids most of that nonsense. Everybody else gets slowed down by it. Right? So everyone else is rushing in, and all of a sudden they're like, you know, a little staggered by it. He steps out of the way and lets the Maw Crusher go after all the stumbly mumbly guys. The Maw Crusher bites off Gut Druck's head. Because he was right up front next to Dakbed. Dakbed sidesteps, lets his rival, who just called him a coward, get his head bit off. Then runs up, jumps up onto the neck the neck hole, like puts plants a foot, jumps over that onto it, lands on the back of the maw crusher, and just rides it while it kills off all of his rivals. Then he keeps punching it in the head in a submission, which is the way that you get yourself a maw crusher, is you beat it senseless. Until it can't stop you from putting chains on it. Mm-hmm. And this is how he becomes in charge. And the, you look at this story like this is this is not typical orc behavior. No. Super He's cunning. a thinking one. Yeah. He's got a he's got a bit of he's got a bit of git in him. He does. Because the gits are the cunning but brutal ones. The orcs are brutal but cunning, and he's got a lot of cunning. So mm-hmm. I just love that story, reading that. It just Seriously, another orc challenged him to fight, and he was like, yeah, whatever, I'm eating. I've never heard that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because like it's normally, it's like you call somebody out, you just fight it out, and yeah. you're done. But no. no. But he, he's got a plan. Yeah. And, and that is scary when you think about just like the raw brutality. And then, by the way, I'm a little tricksy. Yeah, he's clever. And that's dangerous as hell. Mm-hmm. So that's the Iron Sons. You want to take the Blood Tooths? Yeah, so the Blood Tooths ain't quite right. Um, they, Their whole thing is they want to seek out Realm Gates and go right through them. Because at one point they just wanted to run through them because they were trying to find Gorjak. 
But now they're just doing it because it's fun. Yeah, because when you pop out, there's usually a good scrap on the other side. Yeah, never mind the trip itself. Yeah, the trip's pretty exciting. Uh, But yeah, they're looking for Gordrak, and then for years they haven't found him, and now it's just fun to go through. Mm -hmm. They got an interesting little passage here, too. Um, Now it says, Since the Age of Chaos, the Realm Gates already in disrepair due to the ravages of time since their creation have been corrupted, captured, defiled, and rerouted in a thousand different ways. One who passes through a realm gate may end up plunging into the nothingness of the etheric void or find themselves manifesting in a lake of boiling brass rather than emerging as the intended destination. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, did, mm-hmm. was this, is this something, I, why am I, am I, am I forgetting, th- am I getting old, am I forgetting things we already read? I mean, I knew some of them were corrupted and not quite going where they're supposed to, but are there are they that dangerous? Or are there realm gates? You, I mean, I assume when you jump through a realm gate, it always pops you through to the same place. Like even if yeah, it, but it's just a matter of what that same place is. So, so, but they don't know where these gates go. That's true. They just come on a gate and they're like, "Let's go," and they just dive through. Right. So, like when we did the Black Talon Black Library book cover, right. She has to jump into one that's in the caldera of a volcano. Oh, that's right. It's like it, it, you got to dive in, and it's in the center of where all the magma is. Of course, you don't have to dive through the magma to get it, but you got to aim real good, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet coming out of that, coming the other way is really dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. And then when we did Play Garden, they have a realm gate in the bottom of this lake at near the in the citadel. That they raised, so it's a realm gate in there. So I mean, it's just a matter of where you come out. Yeesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that is a, that's a this is this is another fun concept. They just they became addicted to diving through random realm gates and seeing what's on the other side that they can smash. Mm-hmm. But, Never mind. It's just it's a roller coaster. Um, but if you think about it, you're going into these crazy wormholes, you may not come out where you're supposed to or in a particularly good situation, but you can survive that. That means you're tough. That's true. And it does say that because of all of this movement, they have a better understanding of the lay of the land of different realms than any other orc war clan. And they have a lot of gore gruntas. Yes, they do. Because they're always moving, and they want to keep moving as fast as they can, and the best way to do that is a gore grunta. Yeah, so you got a heavy Gorgrunta laden army. Just can you picture being on the wrong end of that realm gate when they just <laughs> what's coming through? Oh God, oh, an entire war is coming through. So much pig, <laughs> so much, so much destruction. And then finally, the third one is the Chapas, and we've talked about that um, them a little bit. Um, the choppers have. We got two, to the chopper. The choppers have. To, oh, really? Oh, they yeah. Got to the chopper. Yes, so we bad. Two the choppers. Yes, uh, I've been doing that like all episode. Whenever we talk about them, it just took you a while. Oh, it's I, okay. I didn't even realize it, so I'm sorry. You didn't get the choppers. I didn't get to the choppers. Uh, so they got two things on their side. Numbers. Of which there's a lot, and just a complete joyous belligerence in fighting. Uh, there are four. Now, the Chapas have more Ard Boys than most other Orc War Clans. They got way more Ard Boys than Brutes or Gorgruntas. Um, 
Uh, they're the guys who, like I said, it is their job to tear down, deface, lampoon, belittle every creature that thinks itself refi- refined. Or pro- if you are civilized, it is their job to humiliate you. Mm-hmm. Which it makes sense why they were the ones who went after the giant, fancy statue of Archaon, the the monument to his vanity. There, yeah. Uh, usually, the leader is a weird knob shaman, which it makes them very different from other uh, Iron Jaws um, groups. Yeah, because other Iron Jaws Warclans are led by an Boss. Yeah. Whereas the Chapas are led by the Shaman Ka-Rock. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> his whole thing, and this is great, the original boss, Dog Rock, okay, was so formidable that he came down with a nasty case of spontaneous combustion by green fire. <laughs> I can't imagine where that came from. Yeah, exactly. Um, his right-hand shaman, Karak, took his skull as a reminder that he was not to be argued with. And he uses the skull to get the boys afraid of him. So, so they listen to him because they're still afraid of Dog Rock. Yeah, Dog Rock was big and vicious and mean. Uh, just uh, like I mean, he was, he was like a mad dog. And so... <laughs> I love how he ex- – and you know that the shaman's explaining this to them. He explodes in a big ball of green flame and fire. I don't know where it came from. Yep, and then everyone's like, Just what was it. that? Look how powerful he was. He couldn't even contain all the wah energy, guys. That's how powerful he is. In fact, he's so powerful, his spirit's still in this skull. And then he just magically amplifies the voice of uh, a voice of Dog Rock to come through the skull mm-hmm. and then shoot some green bolts out the skull's eyes. It says, you guys better keep listening. And then, so he's in charge because he can, quote unquote, channel Dog Rock through the skull. And even though he's dead, he's still tough. So you better listen to him. This is clever and funny. And this is just a great bit of storytelling right here. Yeah. And the other thing with Ard Boys, these are the guys that are trying to impress the Iron Jaws. Uh huh. As opposed to like being a proper iron jaw. So they fall into line a little easier because they're still sort of different because they have smithies. They don't punch their armor. It's yeah. like an actual forged weapon. But we'll, well they don't even that. have too many, by the way, of smithies unless they can get some grass to do it. They just have to steal it from one, from the fight when it's, you know, right. the fight going on. But no, the Chapas is great because that is just the dumbest. That whole story with their leader is so silly. And they're just all buying into it. That's like one of those last vestiges of the Clown Prince uh, stories here. Um, when they go through. Let's do this. Let's take a break because we're mm-hmm. going about 45 minutes. And then we'll come back and we'll talk Bone Splitters. Oh, 
That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back, back with more orcs, because orcs is the best. The best. Mm. The best. Nah. <laughs> oh, they seem like it, though. All right, let's talk bone splitters. Uh, when, when the wall magic just boils in the veins, you know, as it starts to build up, and can I just say, even before we get to the rules, I love that they went back to this. They went back to that when I first started playing this at the end of sixth edition, and they had the old that that was the that was it was the next to last orc book that came out before uh, AOS started, uh, and they had a lot of rules bent around who's attacking, who's here, who's there, because it built up and that that the power of this. Um, I just love that they bring that. They're, they're really focusing on this again. But you start to feel that magic, and it starts to rumble in their veins and get them rolling. And nobody feels it like the bone splitters. It's constantly, literally thrumming in their in their bones. There's a vibration in them. Uh, it's like a it's like the drum beat of Gorka Morka that is just in their whole bodies, um, and it just keeps moving them. Uh, they they try to attack the biggest baddest monsters they can find because that's their job, and unlike the other war clans, they they use every last bit of the things that they kill. They rip out the bones and they make uh, they make you know weapons out of them. Sometimes they just jam it right into their skin. Um, they wear them as trophies. They grind up the organs that they don't eat because they eat the meat, but they grind up the organs they don't eat to make those the war paints and all the tattoos. Every little bit of it is gone because um, all of that has the essence and the strength of the animal that they killed, and they want to use that and tap into that. Yeah, and they believe that that's part of like how they commune with Gorka Morka is that extra energy that's in these beasts. Right. And nobody is born uh, a bone splitter. No, no green skin starts that way. It's because they're crazy. They're literally crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you you got you have to go crazy and get kicked out of your other clan, and then you go find the bone splitters. Um, basically, you know, all orcs get sort of infused with this power, the wall magic, as as it builds up around them, and then it rushes out in this in this flood of violence and then it's sort of placated until it rushes up again some orcs it won't go away like it comes and quiets down but it doesn't go away and that constant thrumming and 
and vibration and, and drum beat sort of is going through them all the time. And it drives them quite crazy. Um, it, you, you can't keep up at that. You can't keep at that level all the time. I mean, even the biggest and even brutes and all these guys, there's, there's, you know, after a good scrap, there's a, there's a bit of downtime and these guys never get it. And it drives them crazy. And eventually they start to see portents and symbols in things. Uh, and it drives them out of their clans and towards, uh, the bone splitters. And they, they, they join up with them at that point. It's, mm-hmm. that, it's a, it's an interesting bit of story there. Another little clever thing. Yeah, because before Savage Orcs, they just were literally just the, just the primal orcs. orcs. I mean, yeah. so like, no, they just looked down upon like even just the basic things. Um, but no, that one was savages. Basically, they they were yeah, they were uncivilized even for orcs. Mm-hmm. But that's not this. Um. So here, the, you know. When you got a Bone Splitters War Clan, they do not have mega bosses. They've got Wargog prophets. Mm-hmm. The guys who are reading the port, because so, they all feel this. So the guys who feel it the most and can channel the energy the most are are the guys in charge. And when you get really huge numbers of Bone Splitters there, that says they act like lodestones because they all feel this constantly. And you get them all together, and it just draws this power together, and that mm-hmm. primal raw power builds in them, which is a really cool thing. They're not heavily armored. They don't have all this stuff. But, man, the purity just rolls through them. They don't need all that other stuff because just the purity of the power of their god is running through them. Um, It builds up like a storm. And uh, nearby Greenskins finds themselves like swept up in this aura of violence chanting and hollering alongside their strange kin. When this green catastrophe is unleashed, it can spell the doom of empires. Um, it's yeah. just, yeah, it's, this is... This I'm is pretty fun. sure in the last book they had a bit where it was some Iron Jaws fighting against some Nurgle followers. Um, and they were like, okay, guys, let's regroup and, you know, hold the line and do all that. But then the bones switched up and it's like, oh... Forget it. It's bone splitters. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, because you get Cause wrapped get up, in it. up in it. Yeah. yeah. All any of your plans, your tactics, your organization, these guys just go running in and you're like it, and it makes total sense. Because it said earlier, whenever you get one of these big, you know, you get a good scrap going, nearby orcs will get drawn into it. And the bl- bone splitters go by and the literally the there's like a green mist around them at times. There's crackling green energy in the air. How I mean no orc could resist that. It's going to sweep them up. It's it's literally the, the the call of the wild for them. It's just so prevalent with the bone splitters. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they worship the great green god, uh, which is Gorka Morka, but they call him the great green god. He is the master of beasts and monsters, a primal deity of the hunt that blesses them with their savage madness. Uh, the meaner the creature, the bigger the creature, the more ferocious the creature, the more of Gorka. Like, that's what they believe. These giant monsters all have a bit of Gorka Morka spirit in them. That's what makes them so vicious and wild. 
um, killing them frees Gorka Morka's sort of spirit to go. And of course, it's in the bones, it's in the stuff. So that's why they take the bones and gr- and eat the meat and grind up the guts to make the tattoos. They are basically taking that essence, that power of Gorka Morka. And you know, the, it's it's weird. Um, you know, the bones that they use. I mean, literally jamming them in their skin. And then dabbing on the war paint made of the... It reminded me of the Fire Slayers. Fire Slayers, yeah. I was just about to say. Yeah, hammering in the Urgold with the essence of their god in them to make them stronger. It's it's not that different. Don't let the Master Engineer hear me say that. Because he already doesn't like me. But it's th- there's, a, there's a definite similarity between the Oryx and that particular uh, uh, brand of dwarf, uh, Dwarden. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So what they do is they either eat it or turn it into a trophy. Bones are lashed to weapons or just stuck through the foot. Their power can bleed directly into the warrior's weapons or the warrior's soul. Uh, the sacred tattoos depicting the beast they have slaughtered as the power of it runs through them. The tattoos actually start to... This is interesting. The tattoos start to sort of come alive. Anyone who's looking at them, when they're infused with this power, they will actually move and twist and turn on their skin. So if, if they have a tattoo of a beast on their skin, it may start running or moving on their skin as as they're fighting. If it swirls and things like that, they might start the spirals might start to move and twist with the power of their god. Which is kind of neat. It's like their version of like how the iron jaws just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. This is their incarnation of that energy. Right. Um, now, this 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 power of the war, we keep talking about it. It's, uh, it's very different in the Bone Splitters than it is for the Iron Jaws. The Iron Jaws feel that power and they just want to smash everything in the face. Um, Whereas they feel this magic and they get in there and they attack, but then instead of just moving on to the next attack, like you said, they they literally they have to stop and and collect the corpses. They have to. No, I mean I suppose if they're fighting against some weedy humans and stuff like that, it's not as important. But when you're hunting down big beasts and monsters, you got to stop and collect all that stuff because it's important to their to their uh, to their way of life. So to speak. Yeah, it's their culture in general. Is This is what they're about. Mm-hmm. And it says in the book, they have a connection to the wild soul of Gur that would take an amber battle mage decades of study and meditation to possess. Uh, and it manifests in many strange and destructive ways. They just have a natural connection to this. Uh, mm-hmm. that they go through. Now, the, uh, the Wurgog prophets... They're the spiritual leaders. They're the war leaders. Um, and it is absolutely incredibly rare, although not unheard of, for a war clan to fight without uh, a Wargog prophet at the helm. Because that's their job. That's what they do. Um, and <laughs> it's funny. They have... They have their formations too. They have rucks instead of brawls and fists. Uh, I like the book says to call these formations is to perhaps oversell the bone splitters' capacity for military organization, <laughs> but they do function with a surprising level of cohesion, operating as if it were a single megalithic beast made up of thousands of whooping oryx. I love that image. Yeah, that was their 
breakdown in the bone splitters review when we did that one right um so it's the same skull logo but it's all the different rucks and what they're made up of and where they fit in yeah but i just picturing them rushing across the battlefield like from a way up like a, a far overhead view and just the thousands of them sort of fighting together almost seeming to form a giant beast you know of this of power mm. you want to run through the rucks really quick uh yes yeah, sure so the first things first um it you start with a cop ruck which is wardocks your more boys your wargrog prophets these are this is the main part of it the really tough part um like the main part of the skull pretty much the teeth rucks are obviously what they sound like they're the teeth um and these are the now i can't think of them uh what do you mean? What are they? The stabbers. The oh yeah, they got the gore tooth, the gork tooths. Yeah, the gork tooths. I just can't think of the name. I think it is just the stabbers or whatever it is. I forget what it's called. Um, in any event, so that's what they're made up of. These are the teeth, the fangs. Um, no sense of self-preservation. Big stabber. That's what it right, is. The big stabbers. I'm sorry. I'm like the gork tooth. What's wrong with that? But I see what you're Yeah, but no, it's up. the unit is called a big stabber. Um. And then you have the Gobrux, which is the uh, – they're kind of like the jaws sort of, of the ones that are closing in. Or are they the horns? I can never remember. Well, your gob is sort of like your face. So, yeah. Yeah, so you got, yeah. It's divided into two groups. One is a close combat one, which is the Brutal Ruck, which is obviously more to fighting. And then there's the Cunnan Ruck which is the shooting bow-wielding hunters. Um, now, most Iron Jaws are not super big on this, right? but for the Bone Splitters, it's a very unique weapon, and I'm really glad that they gave us a more definitive explanation as to why they work the way they do. Yeah. Um, and then the Snagaruck is the horns, so this is your pig. Uh, the Boa Boys, the Miniac Weird Knobs, uh, those are the shamans that ride the pigs. So right. these are the guys that come in and lay waste. Yeah. And that's 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 the basically the makeup, makeup of their rucks. Now, um, we've got uh, three major clans from this one, too. Just like you had the three. Because these are the three. You got three clans worth of rules for the Iron Jaws and three clans worth of special rules for the Bone Splitters. Uh, first, you got the Bone Grins. Uh no other war clan has brought down as many great beasts as the Bone Grins. Um, orc boys will often just abandon their clans and look for the Bone Grins because there's a there's so many of them, and once again, you get a huge number in a group like this. It just attracts other smaller groups. Plus, they kill the biggest stuff, and if you're getting into fights and you're winning against the biggest stuff, the other orcs are going to join you. They've got a word, a wargog prophet named uh, Gurkak Weird Teeth, uh, and with his visions, they have they have sought out many legendary monsters, long thought extinct, and then slaughtered them. So, hey, those things I thought they didn't exist anymore. Well, they won't in a few minutes. Yeah, these are the. Uh these are the guys that will hunt down the Meg. So, yeah, exactly. And if it's hard to kill it, they just throw more at it because that's the solution. 
Oh, yeah, it's always the it. solution. Yeah, it's always the solution. Throw more at them. Um, they, now, they gather up. They've got Realmstone and a lot of it. Yeah, like, they they understand that this is something that is actually different. And what they do with this Realmstone is that they craft it into the arrowheads. Yeah. They put, yeah, a little bit of that on the tips of the arrowheads. Um, and then it, I guess the realmstone from, I mean, it's from Gur, right? So it's that bestial, not bestial, yeah, but that, the bestial energy. Yes. Yeah. It drives them mad. They just get angrier and more ferocious. So instead of running, they turn and fight. Um, so, I mean, it hurts them, of course, but it also gets them mad and then they turn and that's when they get killed. Right, so they've got them on the arrow tips, and they shoot them up with these things, and it just drives them crazy, like you just said. Yeah, um, even if it doesn't kill them, it still just gets them irritated to the point that they then turn and fight. Yeah, and there's a little example there. They talk about they were fighting the Free Guild regiments of Hammerhall during the Drummer's War, and they shot these arrows at the veteran greatswords, and suddenly their immaculate practice, ready, you know, drilled in, right into their bones formations fall apart and they just charge the oryx because you know why not yeah but they just get it's we've talked about like the effects that realmstone has on the inhabitants but this is you're being exposed to raw realmstone but this one makes you angry makes you want to go fight Uh uh-huh um now we got another bit in here um they've got the uh something similar to the big teeth you know which is their big stabbers Mm-hmm. And I like this little part. Um, you know, they got the teeth, and they, they have actually capped the teeth of the big monsters that they ride in on, um, you know, with uh, amber, the amber on the bone, uh, especially for the big – they put this on top of the big teeth. And it says, the prophet believes each of these weapons embodies a gnashing fang of Gorkamorka. And when he's gathered all of the great green god's teeth, he'll sink them into the bedrock of Gur. This will cause the realm's world spirit to spill out so that Gurak and his boys can drink it up. According to the Wurgog prophet, this will cause them to grow as big as mountains. This is, this, see, this is where I love the lore. He, he literally believes, once he's tipping all these things at Amber, that the big stabas are literally... The teeth of Gorkamorka. Once you get them, you know, done the right way, and once he's got the all of his teeth collected, much like all of the, you know, the 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 seven plagues or thirteen plagues and things like that. Once I've got all this collected, we will use them to bite into the world and bleed the world. The power of this dry. That's it, such a lofty, crazy goal. But you could totally build stories around this. Just this yeah, one and paragraph. it's like what the Fire Slayers do too. Yeah, get all the Urgled back together, and it's their god. But they're not. But just the idea that they're taking all these weapons, just going to bite right into their own realm and just drain the realm itself, cracks me up. Well, Nagash did it though. Uh, yeah, but he's he's crazy, and, and he's so are they. Yeah, that's true. And they're trying to do it in a much different way. Could you see how much he would disapprove of this? Well, I imagine that he disapproves of most anything anybody else does that isn't him. That's true. But the orcs have to, in particular, drive him crazy because they are so chaotic. Not, not, I said not chaos, but just chaotic. 
and he is so for you know just everything being in a in a very specific way. I, I hate to use the terms chaos and order because they have different meanings in the game, but he is all for order in that everything obeys and follows a very set guidelines. And you'll never get them. You will never get them in line. Yeah. Uh and they also they they often will fa- uh the their leaders, you know, the different prophets they will take the remains of their most memorable kills and turn them into totems or or their staffs or stuff like that and this gives you the thing the attributes of the thing you killed yeah and we've seen that even with just like human culture too um for other things where you take the energy of your kill um uh-huh. that kind of like spiritual energy so it's just taking something that we already know as humans to then impart it into something altogether different. Right. Uh, then there's the ice bones. Yes. You These wanna- guys are, they're primarily the mounted, um, troops. This is the pig crew. Um, essentially they're from the glacier caverns of these sky blind tundras. Um, and, their mounts are particularly vicious. They like worship the pig because it is still an animal for these boars, and they are the embodiment of that spirit with the snaggerucks. Uh huh. So you often see like icebone riders missing limbs because they've been bit off by their mounts because they are still trying to work with them. But even like normally, if like let's say a gorgrunt to bit off somebody's leg, you're gonna get a laugh out of it, but then that brute is probably gonna try to axe the pig. Right. This is a completely different relationship. The pig is more important than they are. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird and interesting dynamic that they've got going here. Um, now they've got some some stuff in here that I thought was a pretty interesting little bit of lore here according to legend when the great green god battered shatatusk into submission he tore one of the beast's icy horns off as it struck the ground it splintered into a hundred shards forming the spirit glaciers within which the ice bone dwell these holy sites are rife with the power of gorka and their azure caverns echo to the roars of animal spirits trapped in the ice uh, they hew their weapons from the walls of their cavern dwellings, crafting crude champas and stickas out of blue ice and arrowheads that shimmer with freezing cold war energy. Uh, then they sink into flesh. The magic within is unleashed in a blast of lethal co- cold. So you get all this stuff going. So they, they it literally, it's it's like a freeze blast that is, you know, in their weapons. Yeah. And then they ride around stabbing and poking at things and just watching it like freeze to death. Yeah. Cause that's what they do. And why not? That makes sense. I'll go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally we got the Drakfoot. Now, the other thing we should mention oh. about Icebone. Yep. Is that they look at the beast call Raiders. Oh yeah. With yeah. Like a level of awe. And they're often like following behind them on their maw paths. And that's a new word. Um, on the very edge of the Everwinter, because they're used to the cold, so that doesn't bother them, but it's you that same kind of nomadic of it. thing. Yeah. yeah. It's still that same nomadic thing, and they will always find the fight, but it's almost like they see themselves in the ogres. 
or ogres because it's just the same kind of relationship. Yeah. With just different animals. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Yeah, that's yeah. You're right. I totally missed it. I'm sorry. I have it highlighted and everything. Uh, let's do the track foot and try to wrap up most of the bone splitters here. Um, the drag foot are weird, even by orc standards. Uh, they don't. They're looking out for demons and undead. Um, and when they, I mean their prophets are completely over the top. They just literally have their eyes blazing with green electricity and fire, fingertips spitting out sparks of green energy. Um, in fact, it's a, any fellow greenskin they suspect of not paying Gorka Morka his due is subject to a brutal and prolonged bludgeoning if they're fortunate enough not to be blown to bits by a bolt of bright, bright green magic. But what they really hate is the is the undead and demons. Um, they, they're constantly fighting this thing. They believe it is their task from the great green god to clobber every demon and geist in the realms so that the greenskins can back to the, get to the right and proper business of killing monsters. Uh, after the necroquake, they, they just went completely, I mean, that's what they're doing. Um, but they're also pretty interesting in that when they do their little, when the war docs are doing their little, you know, their war dance, and they get the rest of the boys sort of wrapped up in it, and these entire clans are doing these war dances, these stomping dances, it literally disrupt, disrupts the magic that keeps the demons in the in the mortal realms, or that, you know, manages to keep, uh, you know, to um, animate the undead corpses. So they're in their dances, they can literally tear apart the magic that ke- and, and stop them from being. Mm-hmm. That's kind of neat. It is. And they are from the realm of Akshi, primarily. So these are like hot-blooded Oryx that are already crazy to begin with. And now you add this like holy fervor to them. It's a very different sort of thing. Um, it's because like when we're talking about that, the shamans will happily either beat you senseless or will just blow you apart. That isn't something that happens without like a proper reason. Like you nick in somebody's lunch or something, right? This is if you are not believing enough and doing the right stuff by Gorka Morka, we're going to beat you. So this adds a bit of a different layer to them. And that's why I, I like these guys probably the most of them because it has that like the truth like the faith yeah sort of element like you see with the devoted like you see with the clans pestilence like they're just they're devoted to their cause not just the things that they're supposed to do exactly no i get you um then we get through that and we're up to the uh you know that will the no longer the timeline is there anything in the timeline that really stood out for you? I mean, there's interesting stuff here, but I'm just figuring a lot of this is still recap as well. Yeah. I like the the birth of the bone splitters bit in here. 
During the decades-long Urworm War, Sigmar and Gorka Morka get together to take these things out. When the Urworms are finally slain, there's no more enemies to bash. Gorka Morka turns on Sigmar, giving him a mighty headbutt because he still worked up from the fight and it's over. So he headbutts Sigmar. In return, Sigmar gets mad and smashes him across the side of the head with Galmaraz. Temporarily knocking the sense out of him, it is said that the sparks of war energy unleashed by this blow blast through the minds of every greenskin warrior within a hundred leagues, turning them all into the first bone splitters. I kind of like that. It hits him so mm-hmm. hard that his magic goes out uncontrollably and zaps all of his guys and overloads them as well. Sounds right. Yes, it does. Um. Is there anything in here that you really that you wanted to mention? I'm, I mean, I'm good with just moving along at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's like some good stuff in here, um, and they call the Necroquake the Death Storm. Yeah, D E F F. So, but we already talked about that. That pretty much lays out what the Drakfoots do. So right. Um. So now we're just down to, uh, you know, the the different units and the different uh, characters and clans. Why don't we take one more break? It's only been like a half hour, but let's take a break and then go through um, the different uh, bits and bobs here and get that done, and then we will wrap up this half of the show. Mm -hmm. All right, right back. From the rocky bluff, Jukjor could see his lad surge toward their prey like a gigadroth snapping maw. The blue-coated humans stood fast in a rigid square, puffs of gray smoke rising from their fire sticks as whooping boar boys circled them. Bok-a-mork-a-bok, the Wergod prophet roared, thrusting out his squig stick and hopping on one foot. At his command, the toe crushers, brutal rucks, bounded forward, jagged clumps of painted auric warriors, eyes ablaze with green madness. The cunning rucks rushed in from behind, firing hails of arrows that rained down on the humans' ranks. Chuckjor gave a toothy grin as piercing screams split the air. The blue coats were fixed between the Gigadroth's gnashing teeth. Yet though Jukjor saw many humans tumble to the ground, blood spilling from arrow-riddled torsos, their line still held. Trakabrak! Jukjor cursed. The humans refused to give way despite the fangs clamped around them like a particularly chewy piece of sinew. The prophet leapt and slammed his hands together with a thunderous crack. Instantly, his circling boar boys wheeled and plunged into the flanks of the human square, like twin horns sinking into the flesh. Bodies flew as the snorting beast slammed home, and the blue coat's stern defense crumbled to pieces. Crock-a-brock, said Jukjor, satisfied. The Gigadroth had its prey by the throat, and there was no escape. And we is back talking about the one, the only, Gordrak. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gordrak. Uh, 
Um, I love his story. Um, it's it's fun. It's crazy. Nobody knows the true story. There's multiple stories coming around where he comes from, but everybody knows who Gordrak is. From the most mm-hmm. sheltered noble living in Azir behind the walls who's never faced hardship at all, they've heard of Gordrak and the Great War. Um, and it depends on who's telling the story. Some people uh, say that when uh, you know there was, I think it was a bunch of dreadholds set up, and then Gorka Morka just smashes him in Gur with his fist, and a chunk of his knuckle bone gets broken off. He punched the he punched the realm so hard. Um, and then that little bit of knuckle bone, you know, inside it was Gordrak come out to fight. So he's literally a not just a, a prophet or a, or a, you know the the bringer of Gorka Morka. He's, he's like an embodiment. Yeah, he's literally a piece of him. Uh, you know, the Fang Crushers say he was originally one of them. The Bone Splitters think he's been sent by the Great Green God to lead a hunt for the beast spirit of Gur itself. So, you know, that's, you know, once again, that idea that they're going to sink their fangs into Gur and have the spirit come out, they believe that Gordrak is the one who's going eventually to lead them to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, his, his weapons... <laughs> Uh, his weapons come from World Choppa, and if you don't know what World Choppa is, World Choppa was Gorka Morka's axe. It was a two-headed axe, uh, and it was apparently said it was forged from the metal that was ripped from Sigmar's throne. So Gorka Morka, in one of his fits of rage for whatever reason, ripped part of, you know, smashed part of Sigmar's throne and pulled off this great piece of metal off of it that he turns into World Choppa. Now, apparently this was given to Urgrak, Urgrak Bonefist back in the Age of Myth. And somehow, Gordrax got it. Nobody knows how. He doesn't tell the story. But he got it. Now, the first thing he did when he got it was broke it in half to make it more killy. Because if there's two axes, there's going to be more killing to be done. Uh, and as they broke up, they have different properties. So you got Smasha, which will cut through armor. The best armored warrior god or warrior king is going to not his we, that will not stand up to Smasha. It'll cut through any armor. Uh, if you happen to be a wizard or have any magical blood in you, that's for Cunning. Cunning takes down wizards. So he's got one for taking down big tough guys, and he's got one for taking down big tough magic users. Mm-hmm. And if anyone asks him why he split it up or points out that, you know, it's not really double the killing if you just two-handed the other axe, he will put both of those axes into your forehead for talking to him that way. Yeah, it's a stupid question. Yeah, exactly. I do like this part that they added here um, that his authority affects everything that is a force of destruction that is a part of Gorka Morka. Yeah. They talk about how some madcap shamans believe that the fist of Gork's face is etched under the surface of the bad moon, which the face in the we, bad moon is Gork is Gordrak's face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or ogre tribes talk about how uh, big teeth. That's the maw crusher that he rides chewed through a stone horn and spitting out the gems studying the beast's innards before Gordrak demanded seconds for himself. And Chagats don't know why they follow him. They just do. 
Yeah. But they still recognize that he is the boss of bosses. Right. And just and and once again, it's that power of that that war magic that that comes out there. It, it was right in the very beginning. They they get sucked into it. If there's a good scrap going on, they'll go and he's got the biggest craziest battle this his his war is just going on as we speak. It's happening in some realm somewhere. He's rampaging through and Anything that worships Gorka Morka, any elements of destruction that worship anything like that, are uncontrollably drawn to him. It's that's really cool, mm-hmm. and it gets scary if you start to think about it. If he just goes through enough places enough times, he's going to have an unstoppable force. Yeah, and then they do bring it up to date with where he's at now. So in the Realm Gate Wars. He frees the God Beast Fangathrak, which is that massive worm. Right. That was the Maw Gate that led to the All Gates. And for that outcome, like the worm escaped, breaks the chains, and the the Maw Gate is essentially off limits to the All all Points. Yeah. Um, So then it talks about the next thing that he does is when the Storm Vaults get busted open, he starts looting treasure from them and he gets the bullheaded god beast hammer gourd's skull and he is now mounted it onto a battering ram yep but no one knows what he's going to do with it um although he keeps heading right towards the city of excelsis which we've talked about uh with the city of secrets review um and just in general it's come up quite a few times it's like the biggest order bastion in the realm of beasts and that is the Knights Excelsior, which are the bananas crazy Stormcast. So, and what's yeah. going to happen when those guys meet up with Gordrak? Because it's he's just got so much power behind him. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't see them holding him off. I just don't. You never know. I don't think they'll stand up to him, at least by any stretch of the imagination, but. The Excelsior are just as crazy for the fight and the purge as they are. Maybe they can somehow divert him or drive him off. But, he I mean, it's not like he's going to die. They ain't going to beat him that way. Mm, no, probably not. But, yeah, it's – it's uh, yeah, that's a cool – that's a cool little bit to the story. He found something really dangerous in the storm vaults. You, you know, you get the – the uh, Necroquake storyline, and then you find that it opens up the Storm Vaults, and you're like, eh, okay, so there's a lot of, ma- I mean, you know, it's an interesting way to, to throw magic into, into into mayhem, or mayhem into the magic, I should say. Um, but the Storm Vault stuff, it's another thing that you can mine for so many stories, because there's so much dangerous stuff in here that nobody should have, and now that they're mm-hmm. unprotected... People like Gordrak are going to find a giant head of a beast. I mean, come on. The thing's name was... Um, Hammergord. Yeah. Which almost sounds like the world's worst pumpkin, but or well, at least the world's most metal pumpkin. Or Hammergord. I mean, you could, uh, you know, Gord is going be slain for your own head. So he's a big hammerhead. Mm. And, and what's he going to do with that hammerhead? He's going to ram it right through the gates. Of, uh, they're in trouble. Yeah, no, they're totally, totally messed up. <laughs> yeah. All 
All right, so let's get to some of this stuff. Now let's get through. Let's try to cool through. Mega bosses. Might makes right, and they are mighty, but their real strength is is in or, in sort of forcing the rest of the orcs into line and getting them into getting them into that fist. Mm-hmm. Um, now it says here that the growth in fighting quirk in orcs is more pronounced in mega bosses. So you know, apparently. These guys grow quicker through fighting. Violence continues to fortify a mega boss, which is problem. Like I said earlier, it's problematic for your enemies um, because the more guys that lose to him, the bigger he gets. So the next guy who tries to take him on has actually got a bigger task at hand. Um, the literal exact opposite of most other beings who, as they grow older, get a little weaker. These guys just get more powerful the longer they keep going. Um. And also the mega bosses who ride maw crushes. You don't tame it. You don't domesticate it. It's not your. It's not your buddy to ride on. Um, it's a. It's a monster. And the only way is you jump on its back and you keep punching it, rabbit punching it in the back of the head until it's dazed, and you can throw some chains on it and sort of force it to do what you want, which it totally works for orcs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Punch it in the head until it does what you want. Okay. It works, um, but that's the mega boss in a nutshell. And we know, like I said, we know most of these things. I'm just quick, quick overviews on some of these things. So, uh, you want to grab the war chanters really quick? Yeah. So the war chanter, these guys are they help channel that energy. They feel like the heartbeat of Gorka Morka, and they hammer it out. They don't have like music or anything like that but it's to build up that bestial rhythm to build up the wah energy um and it's just furious all the time this is the closest thing that they get to like just being legit crazy compared to anything else because it never stops never ever stops so it makes them just go it like lets out that energy and like the model itself doesn't really do justice to what these guys are about because you always have to have at least one or two and mega bosses understand what this is about, that this is what helps build up that energy and it. Where's it? There it is. The furnace of wa energy within the chest of each iron jaw is stoked to an inferno by a war chanters relentless drumming. Whether it sees the Oryx run faster, hit harder, or strike with whirlwind fury, this soul-deep drumming renders the Iron Jaws deadlier than ever. Yeah. And, like, that principle was there in the original Iron Jaws book, but they've definitely changed it to more fit this description um, when we get to the War Scroll later. Right. Uh, Weird Knob Shamans. Uh, even Iron Jaws don't know why some of them become weird knob shamans. Uh, they do consider themselves to be the wise orcs or the war clans, but even all their wisdom and advice basically revolves around the swift ap- swift application of violence in some fashion. How do we fix this? Hit it there. Now, the Arcanum Optimar they mention here, is that that thing that, that we got from Teclas that we twisted and used the wrong way and now you can get it when you buy the forbidden power box is that that model no the arcanum optimar is the unleash of the endless spells 
um, and the physical and like the more manifestation of magic. So it's oh, essentially okay. the outcome of the necroquake. Because yeah, I'm like, what did I miss? I just don't remember that term. As the yeah. orcs call it, the time of dead killy magic. <laughs> yeah. So the death storm. Uh, um, they don't mention it a lot in the uh, malign sorcery thing, but on the back it even says the time of the Arcanum Optimar is upon us or something oh, okay. like that. So that's what the scholars in Azir refer to it as. Okay, that's I wasn't certain. Uh, now the Bone Splitters look down on the weird knobs. They don't. They are less in tune with the will of Gorka Morka. However, even though the Bone Splitters look down on them, uh, they will meet every destructive magical outburst from weird knobs with delight and run into the car. You know, they may look down and say they're not that great, but if they're doing something that's going to initiate much more damage, much more destruction, they're in for it. So it's like that kid at school that nobody really likes, but when it comes down to the projects, everybody works with the kid anyway. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Um, Let's see. Brutes, they're the largest, most heavily equipped. They fight the biggest enemies. They beat their war gear into shape, as we said. If a brute mob can't overcome their foe with bloody-minded violence alone, they'll use raw numerical superiority. If smashing it don't work, get more boys and smash it again. That's yeah, that's where I got that from. And that's a great that's a great it works. It works for them. I like it. Um what else do we got in here? I'll just run through this last bit. Um there's the Gorgruntas. Uh they are indigenous to Gur. Okay, they have a ridiculous metabolism rate. So they have they basically eat everything that gets in front of them, which is one of the reasons they're so ornery and they often try to eat their riders. Yeah, um they also eat metal. Yeah. Well they yeah, they eat their enemies, their enemies' weapons, the armor, the mounts, everything. But they can't digest metal. So you have the inevitable yep. byproduct of big lumps of metal coming out their back ends. Um, Pig iron. Oh, that's such. Um, you know what? It figures that the writers would do this. Take the play on the words pig iron. Oh, this is the iron that come out of the back of a pig. And the Iron Jaws harvest pig iron as raw material, albeit stinky raw material, for their armor. And weapons, yeah. Yeah, and weapons. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want a gore grunter for a mount, you go on a grunt hunt. <laughs> Uh, you basically run one down, get it into a corner, and keep punching it until with fists and choppas uh, until it slows down enough. Then, then you just start nailing iron plates right into its skin. Uh, this makes it mad usually and makes it fight more, so you punch it in the face a few more times. And then when it slows down, you nail more armor to it. Okay? They're never tamed. In fact, they're more ornery because they got big, you know, chunks of metal because I, I hesitate to call them nails or bolts because I don't think they're refined enough to make something like that but they but like they, these metal studs yeah that they just hammer into their skin and into their bones so they're never really tamed like I said you will lose a foot or they don't even like their riders they will try to bite your hands and feet off there are footless and handless gorgrunta riders in there that's oh. Someone needs to do that. Someone needs to sculpt them with missing hands and feet. Mm-hmm. Just to go and show them that they got it. But um, 
<laughs> here's <laughs> so now you get all these Gorgrunta riders together, and they are quite a powerhouse once you got them on there with all that armor that they beat into them. Now some mega boys, mega bosses have looked at what these guys can do and have come up with cunning tactics to use. Here we go. The cunning tactic to use with Gorgrentas, put them all in one big mob and send them straight at something. <laughs> Pretty cunning. Listen, you guys are tough. If you all run at it together, you'll probably smash through it. So you guys run over there and hit that. Good plan, boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else? Uh, we the got ar- the odd boys. Yep. Uh, so these guys, as we mentioned earlier, they are not an actual Iron Jaw, but they're the toughest members of orc clans that get pulled into an Iron Jaw's war clan. And they take war very seriously. These are completely different um, than, like, brutes or whatever because they – it's for them. It's just fun, and we just get bigger, and everything like that. But these guys are not able to do a lot of things. So they have to scavenge for weapons, or bully other other uh, races into making weapons or an armor for them. And they're actually like really regimented and disciplined. But they make up the bulk of a lot of Iron Jaws armies because they're the most numerous of things. So, and they even talk about how it's. Um, this whole military formation, waving banners, and advancing to war drums, like the whole militaristic thing. The rest of the Iron Jaws call it a bunch of time-wasted nonsense. But to be fair, anything that's not punching your enemy in the face is time-wasted nonsense. Yeah, that is true. So these guys, their discipline is because they can grind um, more because they are relentless. They don't break realistically they are like the anvil as it were and with the death storm that comes through like the iron jaws have to start like inducting more in to replace their casualties to stay strong there's not enough brutes yeah yeah so it's the reproduction thing that we had talked about earlier um where it's well that's not keeping up with the casualties so they have to bring in more our boys into their war clans so, so they can still maintain strong. Um, and they do little shout out to Gerzag Iron Skull, which was the uh, Shade Spire Iron Jaws war band. Right. That we've seen thus far. So they do a little shout out to him, not like a little box out or anything, but just like a little thing. It's like, yep. No, I got a question does. here. Go ahead. Our uh, boys do enough fighting. They grow big enough. They may get large enough to be considered a brute, but they will always be looked down above, down upon by the true blue iron jaws. Now, this confused. So, are brutes born brutes? Like, is that? I just figured when you got big enough, you were a brute because everybody gets bigger, right? So, if, I always just assumed that. I just assumed that if the art the art boys would just keep getting bigger, and then eventually, if you lived long enough, you'd be a brute. But here, it's like they look down on them because they're not real brutes. I, yeah, I, I think it's just a progenate from another brute. Because if you look at like the bone splitters, they are oryx, but they still have a finite cap of how big they get. Iron jaws are different. Oh, do they? If you look at all the bone splitters, like the models and they don't get as big as mega bosses do. 
Oh, they don't have true. that innate energy um, that they channel when they fight and they kill. I think that's the biggest distinction. They don't feel it as readily or have it affect them as much as an iron jaw does. Okay. See, I'm a little I'm a little confused on I mean, I get the idea of the orc society, but just now the Ard Boys used to be the Black Orcs. Yes. In in the old the old game. Mm-hmm. And and they were sort of the, the, the tough elite choices who could, like you said, get into units and stuff like that. Um they're basically kind of the only thing that really came over from there for the most part. For the Iron Jaws range, yeah, they were the only thing that walked over. Yeah, because um, the old see, and they, you know, I'm just are, are they just? I mean, that's pretty much if you're not uh, if you're not a Bone Splitter or an Iron Jaw, you're a, that's pretty much all that's left are the Ard Boys, right? They're just the orcs that aren't those big guys, but are trying to be. Yeah, I mean, there's no orc there boys to, anymore, and like the Arrow Boys. But there has boys. to be though, because how do you get a Bone Splitter? They come wandering from other clans of Oryx because they hear the drumbeat. Or Ard Boys are just – they wander over from other clans to get drawn into it. See, I so thought those were the be. other clans and I just thought the Bone Splitters could come from anywhere. I mean they could be literally you know, you know, younger brutes, the youths. Could be. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I guess there's got to be. But so, are there clans of orcs we still don't know about, or there's, or that we haven't been told? It certainly about? sounds that way. See, that's that's what I'm asking. Is are, you know, are, I mean, I I got a feeling that the orc boy model that we know of, you know, which is the unarmored ard boy, um, is going the way of the dinosaur. And that's fine. That. And that's it, fine. Those models were dark. Yeah. Like even just the uh, regular boar boys, um, like those are good models, but it's still that same basic principle. Um, I think that we may see something at some point, maybe possibly down the road, but by the same token, it's like, is it necessary? Right. And that's the thing. It's just, but uh, that's what I'm, like I said, it, it begs the question, what else is – is this all that's out there as far as orcs go? Because if there are smaller orc boys that the Ard boys are sort of a bigger, tougher, regimented version of, are those guys fighting and doing anything? I mean, they got to be, right? I mean, they ain't – what are they, peaceful orcs? No. There's no way. Right. But even if you look at – like with the Beastgrave releases, you've got the Grotz on Snarlfangs. So it's the Wolf Riders. Like – that whole Git mob thing has been like long gone, but now here they are again. So I, th- you know, this is just me actually like using some conjecture and hypothesizing. I don't actually know this for a legit fact, but <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah, no, no. I just want to make sure that we saw with Underworlds, they're building up the realm of death realistically when they were in there for Night Vault and Shadespire. We're now in the realm of beasts, so I think there's something coming that's going to be a little more reflective of bestial nature and like filling out the realm of mm. Gur. So that's entirely plausible. I just I I it, I'm curious. Like there's a, like you asked, you know, are they one for one? They can't be one for one, but it it sounds like they are. I, it, the book actually makes me curious to know more about orcs. You know, like there's other stuff out there. 
Yeah, which is just really weird to say. Uh huh. Exactly. Uh, okay, let's jump into uh, the um, the Bone Splitters half of these uh, guys. Uh, you got Wargog Prophets, the undisputed leaders of the Bone Splitters. They interpret the signs and the dream visions left by the Great Green God and lead them to new and prosperous hunting grounds. Now, there's an interesting bit here. Um, Wurgog prophets possess a strange wisdom, as if they've tapped into some primal cosmic truth. Behind their bizarre actions lies solid orky sense. A prophet's intimidating beast mask contains the trapped essence of the most fearsome creatures he's slain, and thus actually does amplify his powers. The war paint he daubs across the bone splitters contains magical ingredients as well as the ground-up organs of the beast hunted by the war clans, and its magical properties have proven capable of deflecting even hostile sorceries. So they seem like a bunch of capering, gibbering crazies, but there is real power in that insanity. Yeah, it's they're fueled by essentially by their faith and the belief, and then they mix in this little extra bit of magic, and it makes it a little more, a little more extra potent. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we've got the War Docs, and the War Docs are the lesser shamans. Uh, is yeah, there- so it's like if you think about it, you've got the Wargog, which is like the head of a college of magic. The War Docs are like the base mages. Right, and it's their job to work the war clans up to a proper frenzy before the battle. They are entrusted with the knowledge of the secret ritual dances. Because remember, there's this rhythmic dances that they do that channels this energy. And they are entrusted with the proper steps and movements to the dance so they can kind of all do it together, which will then spread quickly to the troops. And sometimes you'll get the entire armies doing the like, – even the guys who aren't the, the – you know, the technically the wizards in the group. It'll just infect them where they're all doing this dance, which just – Magical or not, when they're all doing it together in rhythm, first it it makes me think of one of these 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 uh, these these Maori. Um, you see them doing it those you know those those war dances that they do, mm-hmm. and I'm just picturing all the orcs. The, the fighting's going on before the big battle starting. They're all doing this crazy, and the, and it's just causing the magic to crackle. Their eyes are sp- you know sparking around the edges. Um, it's it, it's good fun. Uh, I really like that. Uh, and then we only got a couple more. We've got the uh, Boar Boy Maniacs. Um, and the, these guys don't even carry shields. They just take two. They just took a, a, a blade in each hand, grab onto the, the boar with your ankles as tight as you can, and run forward. Ugh, they're crazy. It, it, that, yeah, these are just the guys on, on boars. And they don't. They got, they don't. Hold a shield. They don't, they they don't hold onto reins. They just cling with their legs and attack everything with a weapon in each hand. Total maniacs. Yeah, and realistically, they should have been gored to death, but somehow it just manages to stay on. It's like that innate, yeah, communion that they have. Um, and then they also have the maniac weird knobs, which are the wizards that climb onto the back of the nastiest of the boars that they have. Um, and their thing is to command the snagger rucks. So it's a more accurate hunting. Um, yeah, that's really right. what they're about. Uh, what else? We got savage orcs. 
And okay, now this is one of those things where I mark because this this is this fine, this makes sense to me. Like it always seems, you know, the things running out naked with tattoos on, like the Slayers did. I get it; the Slayers are looking to die. I'm like, why would the or you could be wearing all that armor? Um, they have discarded the burdens of metal, of clothing, and even their sanity. But the lack of armor makes sense. Iron plates are not going to stop dragon claws or chimera bites, and that's the stuff that they hunt. Mm-hmm. And so, th- why wear it? It just slows me down and makes me less agile and less able to fight. So I go in there without any armor. Um, and honestly, you know that war paint saves it on a natural six, no matter what. So, <laughs> you know, the, you know yeah, uh, th- the war paint has a better chance of stopping a dragon bite than armor does. So why wear it? I'm like, I read that. I'm like, I started to worry about myself. I'm like, that that makes sense. I understand that. Yeah, it doesn't protect against conventional means, but for their purposes, armor makes no sense. But putting their faith in Gorka Morka makes much more sense. Yep. Um, let's see. They're boar boys, and we already talked about them. They trap the large boar, and they ride them. Um, some of the boars are fed with a little bit of that uh, beast bone. Mm-hmm. So you kill a big animal, like we said, they stick it in their own skin to absorb it. Um, if you've got a, you've got if you particularly care for your mount, and you get a piece of a, of this bone with this big, you know, war beast's essence in it, uh, feed them a little bit of it because they'll, you know, that essence will then go into them. Um, few crimes among the Bone Splitter War Clans are more heinous than killing another's war boar. These things are really. They're they're prized and and honored and treasured. So you kill one, then you are in a world of trouble. Um, and then you got the more boys. Uh, even the bone splitters think there's something a little wrong about more boys. They got a bone. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. They feel like they took in the spirit energy of a particularly gnarly beast. So then they're always in this state of rage. Um. So these are like the nuts of the nuts. Um, (laughs) And they follow along. They're the ones that charge headlong. Doesn't matter. Um, They have a blade in each hand, which is to hit stuff faster. And they just go right from the get go. And they just hack. These are the ones that just jump onto the back of beasts to try to pull them down and go for a good old ride. So, yeah. Just this is like the pure essence of the bone splitters in one unit. Yep. And then finally, we got uh, big stabbers, and that's the big stabbers. What we're talking about? Two really big savage orcs carrying a gork tooth. Uh, Wargog prophets say that each one of these spears takes on the quality of the beast that it kills. Uh, it's you know, and it, 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 it can feel it vibrating in the in the hands of the guys that own it with that bloodlust. Uh, they don't has they just charge, they just rush into the danger because there's no there's no looking for an opportune moment with a weapon this big. It's a big obvious weapon, and you just run up and stab the thing. Uh, Gorka Morka will protect them, even if it's going to kill them before they die. They heft it up over their heads and they throw it, and these things apparently don't miss it when you got your death toss. Mm-hmm. So the even it, they are dangerous even as you're killing them. They're still they're still going to pose a threat 
to whatever beast they're hunting because they will throw it right at it and they will hit it pretty much no matter what. Right. That's everything. Yeah, that is a lot of stuff to take in. And we kind of rush through it um, like we do with, unfortunately, all of them because there's just so much to talk well, and about. Like I said, I mean, we're trying to get away from that whole, you know, reading every page of the book to you. We're hitting, we're not missing any major points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want more detail, if you want to get into the min- the super minutia, yeah, read the book. Yeah, for sure. It's still a good read. Um, it's just a matter of, we still got a lot to talk about. Yeah. So that's the lore. And, um, that's really we're gonna wrap up here and we will be back in a few days uh with the war yeah can i just say one thing i was really kind of irked that they didn't talk more about big was yeah i mean that's the whole that's the that's the, the when we get to the war section that's the new thing right yeah yeah i was i was i'm like where is this and they talk about it like briefly when we get to the big wah about what it is and we've heard about what it is but there's no definitive and like Gorjak seems to lead one but there's nothing about like what happens like what brings these forces together aside from like getting wound up into the cyclone of violence yeah I just i wish there was a little more description of that yeah, I mean, because especially, and we're going to get into this in the other half, but the way it works, I, okay, can I, I, it, no, go. It's clever is... as hell. Um, and this is what they used to do. Remember how you used to have to add up how many, how many, uh, how many orcs, if there's more orcs in combat than not, you'd get special bonuses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what it is. You start, you start getting points for having different things on the board. The more shamans, they're worth points. Your mega boss is worth points. Units in combat are worth points. Units worth over a certain size are worth points. And these points start to add up. And the more wall points you get, that's that energy building up. And every three or four points you build up gives you another cumulative effect. Uh, I mean, to the point where you're rerolling hits or ones or or plus one to hit. You're getting plus ones to wound. You're getting plus ones to charge. Just little bonuses to everything, and they start to build up. Um, And you can actually, as you use it, you can discharge some of that power. So it'll drop a bit if you channel it. And you can channel it into using it. And once it hits those heavy points, you can you can call a uh, call a wah. And that you know, that used to have that rule where you know where you get bonuses. Um here once it's up to that level, you just push that magic into them and they rage through it and they burn off some of it, so then you gotta build it back up. Which mm-hmm. is really kind of fun and cool. Do you use it now? Do you hold on to it? Do you try to use it? Um, you never know. Because when you go into that, you might burn out through all of it, or you might just burn through half of it, or you might burn through none of it. Mm. Yeah. You know, almost none of it. Because you never know how much of it you're going to use. It's kind of random, but it's really... It, they, they managed to write rules that captured the essence of everything they've been explaining, how it just builds and builds and builds. And the more of them are around... The more it's it's got this cumulative effect. Um, the more that are there, and it's it's fantastic. Um, in fact, I, I I God I I know there are reasons just to go straight Iron Jaws or straight Bone Splitters, but boy, do I like the third option for just going for the big war. Yeah, for sure. 
and I like you said I I was expecting a little bit more of that in the lore just talking because they they really didn't talk too much at all about that they actually fight together except that they just get wound up in it and yeah. it's like okay that's great but give me something more to chew on as it were yeah because a lot of this is rehash and and there's little new bits in there but they added a whole new way to play them and didn't give it Talk its time about the it. lore and yeah and you're right uh, that's that's a big miss yeah or even if they just did a shout out cuz like one of the things that you can do with the big wa is play all pigs like that would have been a cool snippet or a little box out to say of like this massive thundering herd of gore gruntas and boars just running across the plains hunting things down like that would have been cool but that's something that you can build on to create your own big wa so right yeah but you're right i would have loved to have that little bit of the lore in there a little bit more um mm-hmm yeah, but you know, I know some people. I was reading a lot of things on social media with people worried that they would get watered down because when they combined them, that they're you know they would get half the lore space. But they really didn't. They really managed to capture the essence of it and add a few bits of blend here enough. Not enough, like we said. Um, I'd like to have seen more of that, but I don't think anybody got watered down. They still they still save the essence of the two groups. Yeah. And I think it's also because of the font space compared to the old books because it is smaller font. Yeah. So they have more and it's formatted differently as opposed to like the older books where it's like just straight type across the page for the most part. This is the three column format, which then creates more space. So they're not blending it down. They're just resizing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that. Uh, All right, folks. We're going to pause here, and uh, Oruk War Clan's war should be up in the next day or two, If depending on when you listen to this. You can just load it up and listen to it now. So otherwise, we'll see you uh, shortly. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes, or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer, and Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garagehammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.